This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. It is Tuesday evening. I am now joined by one of the biggest NHL Twitter guys. Like every tweet he puts out, it's like a billion retweets, a billion favorites. Um, he kind of reminds me of Rob Perez of basketball Twitter, but just the NHL version. It's Brady Tretanero. Did I get the last name right? I said it very slowly. Did I do this? Yes, you did. You, uh, you nailed it. So I appreciate oh, that. What a good Tuesday. It's been a good day. I, I knew I was going to nail that before we got started. I knew I'd be able to pull it off. <laughs> yep. So how are you, man? How, how is everything? Yeah, doing good. Um, it's that uh, it's that time of the year for uh, for us hockey folks where it's uh, it's very exciting. You know, we're uh, heading into the stretch drive, and then of course the postseason starts in April. So excited about that, and excited to be on the podcast. Yeah, man, I am excited to have you. So there's a couple of, I mean, there's like you said, we're in the stretch run of the NHL season. There is. Mm-hmm. A lot of crazy stuff going on. There is um, some great tankathons uh, going on in Anaheim and Los Angeles. You have uh, some teams doing everything they can to stay out of the playoffs. Shout out to the Coyotes and um, other teams like that. And then you have the Avalanche where you're like, I don't even know what this team is. And then you have like the four teams that are actually really going for it and actually want to win a title this year. Um, is that a fair generalization for uh, this NHL season? Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, you, it's hard to kind of say if a team is, you know, directly tanking or not because they're not, they're not going to cut out and say that that they're tanking for a higher pick, but I think when you know a team kind of when you when you see things that happen, you can kind of assume um the kind of direction that a team is heading in. And I think that's that's kind of fair to say. I think you know, there are there are teams that are still kind of in the mix in each conference that kind of have a long shot at, at the playoffs that still could get in, but more, more uh, than less likely that they're, uh, they're going to just uh, miss out and, you know, get a, get a good pick in the draft. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great race. And as you mentioned, there's, there's some teams uh, 
teams in there that uh, are really kind of in the thick of it. And it's a, uh, it's an intense race right now. Yeah. Um, I will say I'm going to be quite furious if Jack Hughes is a Los Angeles King and not Anaheim duck in the next six months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jack is, he's a special player and, and you saw, um, I was a little upset that you, you, we didn't get to see more of them at the, at the World Juniors for for USA. I thought you were about to say I, I was a little upset that the Canucks got the the other brother. They got the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got the Quinn Hughes, and he's he's unreal. But I thought at the World Juniors we could really see Jack, but he was injured there for a bit. But um, I mean, yeah, there's a chance, you know, depending on on what happens, um, that 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 uh, he goes to to the West and to maybe as you mentioned. You know, if, if the Kings were to get him, I think that would obviously be like massive for them in the in the state that you know they kind of they won, they had their run there where they were really good. They won they won those cups, and now they're kind of they're aging. They've got guys who are arguably you know they're getting past their prime, and you know Dustin Brown, Andre Kopitar, and kind of that core. So now they're going to kind of be looking for you know the new wave to kind of come up, and it would be huge if if Jack Hughes was a part of that. Well, if there's one thing they need, it's more luck. Um, like bottoming out after going into the playoffs last year, just having one bad bottoming out season, and then just getting Jack Hughes, and then getting right back where he started. Like that would that would be very annoying. I, I will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure the I NHL mean, wants it though. I'm sure their preference is Jack Hughes in like Kingsland or I don't know where. Mm-hmm. Like, is there anywhere better for him? Like for the market wise, like where they would like to see him uh, more among the teams that are near the bottom of the standings. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be the Rangers LA. would be yeah, huge. New York obviously is yeah. there. I mean, New mm-hmm. York's on NBC. Like, it seems like every time you tune in. On a, on a Sunday, the Rangers. Even playing. the Flyers. Yeah, the Flyers are on there quite a bit. Uh, the Flyers are a long shot to make the playoffs, yeah. I think. Um, but they could do. I mean, they jumped quite a bit. They got really lucky to get Nolan Patrick when they when they got him. I don't think their odds were good at all, and then they ended up with uh, with Patrick. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, there's a team that we have not discussed that I wanted to first ask you about in my notes that I am fascinated by because um, after talking to Sean Lee of NBC Sports last week about uh, some of this, it it was interesting because I hadn't really considered with the trade deadline that the Penguins could be considered losers based on how they operated and that like they're in this weird zone where like Cindy Crosby's having an MVP type season, but yet they just don't feel like contenders, but they've also contended really well for the last four years. And this team has been together through everything. And it's, they made some questionable decisions at the deadline. Like what do you think is going on with the Pittsburgh Penguins right now? Yeah, it's tough. If I've, if I've learned anything over the years, it's, it's never to bet against Cindy Crosby, but it's, it's an interesting situation right now. They didn't, I think they came out, um, and basically everything I saw about like, you know, the winners and the losers of the deadline, they came out in the losers section. Um, they didn't really improve their team uh, much. I mean, they, they got Eric, Eric Branson, uh traded away Pearson for him. Um, but that's not really, you know, a huge, a huge move. I think for the, for the Penguins, you know, they've been bit by the injury bug pretty bad and, that, and that's hurt them, especially they're without Chris Letang right now. And that's a huge loss. You know, he's such a critical piece piece on their blue line. Um, they are getting Dumoulin back um, from, from his concussion. So, so that'll help. Um, 
I, I still like the Penguins um, as, you know, as a team that I think is going to get in in the East. Obviously, it's t- it's really tight, and they're most likely going to have to face the Caps in the, in the first round. But you've got, you know, the one-two punch of Crosby and Malkin, and you've still got the supporting cast with Kessel, Gensel, and Hornquist. And, and you know, Murray has shown that he can lead a team to to – to a cup or on a run, um, whether the, the Penguins are going to get that goaltending, um, you know, that's up for debate and remains to be seen. But I, I like the Penguins right now, though they certainly they need to figure uh, figure out figure out their play. But I think on paper that they have a roster that can contend this year. I'm right there with you. Where my mm. whole thing is like until they're they're knocked out, until the, someone puts them out of their misery. I I just. I, I don't want to bet against them, but then you think about who they're going to be up against and you're like, well, how do we like, there's still a lot of things to prove. Like we have to see the Maple Leafs get out of the first round. We have to like, it's a bunch of young dudes who are under 22 years old. We'll see how they, how they handle being this good at the top of the standings and everything. We'll have to see um, how the lightning fare again. I mean, I, I would be more comfortable betting on the lightning um, than the Maple Leafs right now, but um Pittsburgh's got to be right there in that conversation where you're like, ah, there's just there has to be some level of value in just having this group that's just been there and just if they get their injuries to get they just get right that they're going to be a scary team again. But um, did you think when it was happening, like you you spoke about, like kind of they were put in the losers category? Was there any trade in particular that stood out to you that you were like, I just what are you doing? Yeah, I mean. The whole, um, the Eric Branson thing, I didn't, you know, I didn't make a whole, a whole lot out of that. Um, I just thought it was kind of, you know, if, if they really needed to do it, I don't, I mean, that's kind of, um, questionable. I, I just felt like it was just kind of a move that, yeah, it kind of just raised some questions about like the why, I guess I, they, you know, they had some injuries to the blue line and then. Um, you know, they, uh, they got good brands who's going to pro- provide some grit and some toughness and, you know, at least a, vet- a veteran presence. And then their other, their, uh, their kind of other deal that, um, that they did was, um, you know, sending Broussard and Riley, uh, Shannon or Shannon to Florida for McCann and, uh, you said, but I think for me, it's more about like what they didn't do. Um, I think the deals that they made just weren't significant. Um, really, and then you can compare it to the teams that they're um, competing with, who did kind of make um, some some acquisitions and some and some trades, and they improved their squads. So I think it's more about um, what they didn't do at the deadline versus what they did. Okay, how long do you think? I mean, it's it's so tough in hockey, but like, how much longer do you think? Sidney Crosby and Avengy Malkin are going to be able to keep this up. Yeah, um, they're getting uh, they're getting up there in in, in age. Um, I definitely think that they've got several years of being elite players left, and then I think their production will will start to tail off a little bit. But by no means are they just going to you know I think fall off the map like in five years or something. I just think that you know, their production is, is going to tail off a bit eventually. And, and you know, as, as you see with most uh, players, even elite players, when, when they get older, um, it's just kind of the way it goes. And I think 
I mean, for Pittsburgh right now, it's, I mean, those two guys are, they're driving forces, right? They don't really have any significant young players right now who are willing, who are able to kind of step into those roles. So they're still going to be relied on and utilized to, to be huge pieces for the, for the Penguins and, you know, are most likely in the playoffs. Why would they try and trade back for Carl Hagelin? What was that? Yeah, that's, uh, so yeah, so that was so what the report was that they were that they almost there was like cat, there was a CBA thing and they weren't allowed to do it, but like what I, it was all very strange. Yeah, I that it, it is a little strange, you know, to to want guy back. I mean, he didn't that guy back when he didn't make you know a huge um in, impact when he was uh, when he was with the Penguins. But I mean, what I think it could be is maybe just familiarity possibly in the, in the time that, that, that he was with Pittsburgh. Um, you know, he was there for, I think it was four seasons that or three and a half or something like that. But I mean, he never, he never really, uh, made, like I mentioned much of an impact. I think he never hit more than 10 goals in, uh, in a season with Pittsburgh. But, um, I think what maybe they saw was still the potential of a guy who I think he's 30, but, of that he could at least be um, a valuable contributor down the stretch or, or during a during a postseason a postseason run and maybe and maybe that's why they did it but um, yeah at, at the end of the day it kind of it's one of those things that kind of leaves you kind of questioning why as you mentioned. So do you think ultimately this team's contention window will be defined as to whether or not they can? Uh, stay injury free down the line, or do you think injuries will not be what actually uh, mars this 2018-2019 Pittsburgh Penguins season? Right, I'm, I'm. I've always been a firm believer that I, that I don't think you can blame um, failures like entirely on injuries, but I but I also believe that you can um, attribute it a bit to it to a team's if if they're not succeeding. Um, I think for for the Penguins, they have gotten quite quite unlucky in in terms of that. Um, but I mean, it's, it's not like they've been without like Sidney Crosby this year or 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 anything like that. It's just a, kind of just a pileup of 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 injuries to, to various different players from from uh, from guys from like goaltending um, and Matt Murray to to Chris Letang. So I think you know you can kind of you kind of say like, okay, um, you know, that definitely contributed a bit to some of their struggles this season. Um, but not entirely. I think that the team is kind of, um, underperformed to, to what they're capable of to a degree. And who knows, it could cost them a playoff spot, but, um, to answer your question, I think, yeah, you can contribute, um, a little bit of it to, to injuries just because it's so hard once, you know, players are coming in and out of the lineup and stuff to, you know, find that chemistry, find that rhythm and with new players and trades and stuff, it, it makes it tough. So yeah, I well, think that's a good way of wrapping up the penguin stuff is what do you make of Jared McCann? Yeah. Um, Jared McCann is, is interesting. Um, just because he was once a very promising young offensive prospect and yeah, he could still turn out. He could still pan out. Um, I'm kind of I'm, I'm I lie on the fence with Jared McCann. Um, he's 22 now, uh, and he's 
I think he's, you know, he's played upwards of 200 games now and he's failed to really uh, light it up or, or do a whole lot. Um, he was actually a decent contributor to the Panthers, but, um, you know, he's being thrown into the top six right now, I think, for the Penguins. So it'll be, an, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I could see him being kind of like a valuable contributor and like, you know, there's always those guys during the playoffs that kind of get their breakout or whatever. Um, if he was to play with like Sid or Gino or, or something like that, I could see him being a, a valuable contributor. But I lie on the fence right now. I just I just need to see more from him um, before I kind of make the call on, on what he is. I know he, he has a good shot and he's got some speed. Um, he could fit in with the Penguins, but right now I'm on the fence with McCann. Okay. Um, another team that I think we're all on the fence about their future just because, well, it's for different reasons, because this Buffalo Sabres team, they are in a very tough division and that division is not going to like, you just look, it's very top heavy, obviously with Toronto, but you look through it and you're like, Oh God, which of the big three, Tampa Bay, Toronto and Boston are falling off anytime soon. The Sabres are making progress. They're young. They had the number one over pick last year. Like they're making strides, but what like it's going to be very difficult for them to qualify for the playoffs, especially with how um, playoff seeding works now in hockey. Like, are they kind of are they kind of screwed uh, just by virtue of playing in the wrong division for the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, you're pretty much hitting the nail on the head right there. With the Atlantic is just insane. Uh, that division is crazy. With um, with the teams that you mentioned, I think. Um, yeah, the window isn't really going to be closing anytime soon for especially the Leafs with the, with the young core they have. They're locking these guys up. Um, you know, the Matthews, uh, you know, Mario's going to get signed, um, and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be expected to win a cup within the next five years. And then, of course, the Lightning are just a powerhouse. If they don't win it next year, they're still going to be. I mean, if they don't win it this year, they're still going to be contending in, you know, the next several years as well. So. Where does that leave the Sabres um, kind of on the outside looking in in that division? Um, I think they have the talent, especially with you look uh, at the players that have stepped up this year. Obviously, the Skinner acquisition thing, acquisition was huge for them. And then Jack Eichel is, is just a monster. Reinhardt's been phenomenal. Um, Millsat's up and coming. Uh, Paige Thompson's up and coming. I love the Sabres roster, and I think you know, that they, they're ready to take steps forward and they're making steps forward. Unfortunately, the Leafs are going to be, you know, progressing, I think, more at a at a faster pace than them. And, of course, the Lightning are just a powerhouse. It's, it's you know, it's hard to even compete with that. Um, I don't think the Sabres should be making, you know, any, like, drastic moves to try and, you know, get to that level. I think they're doing fine growing um, organically. I thought acquiring Brennan Montour at the deadline was great. Um, yeah. There's rumors yeah, that the first round pick, but yeah, so, I, I, so, I like him a lot though. Still. You like him? I, yeah. Was, so, yeah. 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 One other quick note. Um, there was, there's rumors about risk the line and possibly getting, getting dealt. Um, I don't mm. know right now if, I mean, that's going to put a ton of pressure on Rosnitz Dolan, but I think my thing for the Sabres is, yeah, they're in a tough division, but I think just, you know, keep, keep, keep growing uh, organically and letting these players develop. And then who knows when you get to the playoffs, right? It's the best of seven. 
not be able to pull something out. Yeah, you'll. I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, I think uh, I'm just I'm really I'm very excited. I'm gonna watch every Maple Leafs first round game for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just can't wait to see. Like, just if they imploded, if they lost to whoever it is, who who are they matched up with if the playoffs started today? It, that's the play? thing is, as much as there is hype around the Leafs. Boston has their number in it. It's almost, it's really looking like they're going to be facing the Bruins. I mean, barring some, some significant changes in that playoff picture. Oh God, it's going to be this is such Toronto. a dumb playoff system. The NHL yeah, I mean, is putting Boston and Toronto in round one. I want to go back one. to one versus eight. That's what I want. Yeah. But, That's insane. Yeah. This is so mm-hmm. dumb. They're can't like the Sharks versus Vegas in round one. Like, why are you cannibalizing your best teams early on? And you know what's great? We're going to get Capitals versus Penguins for the 97th time. Um, yeah, that's the way it's looking. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, my God. I, they might actually set a attendance low for the Islanders Hurricane Series. Like, is that an NHL nightmare? Those two getting matched up? Because, like, are you splitting Barclays and um, Nassau? Like, how is that going to work? Oh, God. It, it's a bit of... It might be a bit of a nightmare, but to be honest, the, the Hurricanes, just with their, you know, the whole celebrations thing, they've they probably gotten, you know, quite a bit of attention and attendance. But, yeah, I mean. I think they're still at the bottom. Like, NHL ideal. attendance, I'm pretty sure. I looked at it the other day. I'm, I I want to say that the the Islanders are dead last and it's not close, but I want, mm. I think the Hurricanes Carolina. are pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, not like this thing has done anything significant, but it's probably, you know, raising at least some awareness and sales in that market. I mean, yeah, good for them. Um, like, it's a cool story. Okay, yeah, they're 28th. So okay. the Islanders are 31st and Carolina's 28th. Jesus. you, Oh, God. Bettman's already figuring out how to get around this. He's already doing what he can. Like, Columbus is on the outside looking in right now. With all of their moves, if the playoffs started today, they're not in. Yeah, that's, that's a disaster. That's nuts. I mean, that's going to kind of set a, an interesting precedent if they get in or not, or if they go on a run, right? If GMs are going to shy away from kind of the, the all-in approach, like, you know, really going, like, just going for it like Columbus did. Um, and might, GMs might be hesitant if, you know, the, if Columbus kind of acquires all these players and then they don't get in, it's like, oh, yikes, you know? And then you've got New York and Carolina instead facing off in Columbus with, this stacked uh, stacked roster, uh, you know, Panarin, Duchesne, and, and they're just, you know, they're sitting on the sidelines. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So if you had to guess between the big three in the Atlantic, who would you guess is the one who falls so Buffalo can rise? If you had to pick of the three, like which would you be the least surprised um, is behind Buffalo in the standings in like two years or less? Um. Yeah, so I mean, that's see, my gut than... said Boston, but Boston has a nice mixture of young stars and older stars, and then Toronto just seems silly. Just that's just too much talent, and they're locking up Matthews. And you could see if they they messed up restrictive free agency, that maybe that tears them apart a little bit. But like the most sense to me is like Tampa Bay because maybe it's just the Eisenman being gone. Like you never know. I guess that like some crazy stuff could happen there. Um, I don't know. Like I don't feel great about any of it, but I think I would pick Tampa of the three. Yeah, I'd have to like lean towards agreeing with you. Um, I think the Leafs are, are, yeah, as you mentioned, there's just way too much offensive talent, and and then the Bruins are just the Bruins are a team that's built right for for the playoffs yeah. and for for long grinding seasons and stuff. And then with Tampa Bay, I think what it'll, what it'll come down to is 
you know, typically if a team does go on a lengthy run and they, and they do end up winning it all, there's always changes and they can't kind of hold on to everybody. So if Tampa can win, can win it, uh, win the cup this year. And, you know, they're, it's, you know, they're the heavy favorites right now. Um, then I think it'd be realistic to see them being the team. Um, if you had to pick out of the big three, who would fall off in the next uh, two years. Um, so you're not going to believe this, uh, Brady, but, uh, NHL GMs, they like scoring. And we found that yeah. out, uh, in Florida, uh, this past week and scoring is on the rise. This is nothing new, but, uh, were you at all surprised that all the NHL GMs were speaking in a very positive manner about, uh, the six goals a game and just, um, the pace of play and all of that stuff this week? Um, I wasn't too surprised by it. Um, I think most GMs now, um, you know, they understand what what fans are looking for in in a hockey game, and and what fans kind of at this generation are expecting when when they buy tickets or when they tune in. Um, so, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, scoring is definitely scoring is up. Um, I think, yeah, an average of around you know, six, six goals a game. And I think, um, and I think that I have the numbers for you. I have the numbers right in front of me. So through a thousand and fifteen games this season, teams combined to average six point one goals just off the two thousand five, two thousand six post lockout scoring surge, while seventy seven percent uh or yeah, seventy seven percent of offense has come at even strength, the highest since nineteen seventy seven, seventy eight. So I feel like that's the bigger thing, is that power play goals are no longer like the the reason for increased goal production. It's just like they're actually all scoring. Scoring's up without having to win with an advantage, which is interesting, right? Yeah, that that, that definitely is interesting. Um I think that could be you know attributed to, you know, s- several different things. Obviously teams have are focusing a lot more on on their uh, on the penalty kill and and stuff like that, but also um, players are just finding ways ways to score. And there's so much talent in the league that it's you know it's growing into you know a speed and and a skill game with you know the McDavid's, the Matthews, the Lines, the Eichels. That it's that it makes for entertaining hockey. Um, but I mean, I'll stand by you know my kind of take that I'll take you know as in the playoffs, I'll take a zero-zero game in a double overtime just as much as I'll take a seven-six game during the regular season. I think they're just as much entertaining. Um, so I mean, but I yeah, I'm not too surprised by the GMs, uh, you know, saying that just because I think that they recognize what uh, uh, fans want out of a hockey game. I wonder if Kyle Dubas is a fan. It's hard to say. I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be sure which way he's leaning on goal scoring being up being a positive. Yeah. Today's game. I mean, he see, he seems like he's kind of got his, you know, he's aware of kind of what's going on. I see him on on Twitter quite quite a bit just kind of like replying with funny like memes and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, but it's hard to say what he uh what he thinks, but um for the Leafs, like they obviously are loaded up on offense. So um, mm-hmm. they're going to be winning games, you know, by scoring goals. Right. I don't think they, they have anywhere near um, the, one of the better blue lines in the league. Um, mm-hmm. They have a great goal. They have a great goalie, but um, they're going to be relying on, on their, you know, amazing offense to win them hockey games. Yeah. He's like the Daryl Morey of NHL right now. 
Like he is just doubling down on offense and he's just like, I'm going to get two superstar offensive players and uh, maybe one more if I can find them. And then uh, I'm just going to outscore you. Like, we'll we'll figure out the rest later. We're just going to outscore you with youth and star power. And uh, it turns out you win a lot of games like that. Yeah, you do. Um, especially with the caliber of, of those players who, um, who, you know, are, are all kind of approaching you know, their primes and stuff. Um, and, but it's, it is a different game when you get, when you get to the playoffs, uh, not that I, you know, I don't think, um, the Leafs are going to be able to succeed in the playoffs, but, you know, we talked about how it's most likely going to be Boston again, and Boston just knows how to, how to, how to play the Leafs. So I think the Leafs will have to make some adjustments to their game. Um, based on on who on their matchup um another quick thing is like they were reportedly in the running for for adam mcquaid at the deadline i think that would be huge you know he's a physical guys and i think they're lacking a little bit um in terms of you know the great element and the physicality especially compared to a team like the bruins but there's still so much talent there hmm I think they'll be fine. I'm not really worried about the Maple Leafs for the next couple of years. I think uh, they're going to be okay. Another thing about the the scoring stuff that's fascinating that came out um, over the last week is that comebacks are significantly up as well. That there's a lot more teams falling behind early and then actually coming back and winning the game. And I am curious as to what the the rationale or what the, the reasoning is behind this change is there anything you've seen this year where you're like or is that something if i hadn't have told you that would you have assumed that comebacks were up do you think the average fan is noticing that their team's not out of it if they fall behind 3-0 now yeah i think um it would just depend on which which team and which fan base you're talking to i think overall i'll be honest i I haven't i you know i i was kind of surprised by that if, if someone had told me you know that comebacks were, were up this year i'd be like um Oh, okay. But I mean, it kind of does make sense when you see that a lot of these teams are, you know, there's some underdog stories and there's some, you know, teams with, with never say die attitudes and never giving up on a game. And I think, I think that's huge when, when, you know, you're, you're willing to kind of fight, fight back and try to claw your way back into it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, that, you know, it's, it's a tad surprising to hear that, but depending on, on which team, you know, you, you, you talk to them, which fans, um, they might not be surprised at all, especially, you know, some teams are known for kind of, you know, you know, rallying and, and trying to crawl their way back. And that makes it exciting. You know, if a team was just to mail it in and, you know, on a given night, then, you know, fans would just, you know, go home expecting, you know, if they're down in the third period that they're not going to try to claw their way back. So, yeah, I think that's huge. Well, I mean, if you're a Ducks fan, as I am, you, you can tune out after they fall down 3-0 because uh, <laughs> this team is not capable of scoring three yeah. goals in a hockey game. So go ahead and uh, change the channel. It's fine. There are yeah, still some teams that... Team, uh, as I said. Different for each team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God, what a mess. This season. It's, it's awful. It's, it's a terrible season. Um, and Ryan Miller, if he's the one who cost this team, uh, Mr. Hughes, no I'm very annoyed. That little surge he had with Gibson being gone, where he was actually good and thought it was 2007 again. Very upsetting. Did not like that at all. I think the Ducks should not be playing with the goalie for the rest of the year. Gibson should be shut down. Done deal. No more Gibson. I mean, it was insane. There was a time there when they were losing, 
you know, and then they're, but, but you looked at the playoff. They lost for like a month and a half straight, by the way. Like they went, it was insane. I mean, it speaks to the, to the the race in, in the West a little bit when, you know, they were still in that playoff in that playoff picture. And, um, you know, with the, you know, how, how badly they were losing. Um, Bob Murray had to come down from the rafters to do it himself. He's like, if Randy Carlisle can't tank this season, I'm going to have to step in here. I'm going to have to ensure that we get Jack Hughes. That's uh, so shout out to him. Job security, man. He knows that the clock is ticking. So he's got to, he's, he's going to do his part. So shout out to him. Yeah. I mean, I do hope that uh, Ducks can, can, uh, retool or you know rebuild or whatever they're kind of in in the process and um obviously i think for gets you know but i have always associated the ducks you know gets last and perry but um seems like their best days maybe behind them i think that's a that's a fair assessment yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fair, yeah. um what do, is there any rule changes that you're interested in seeing like uh, there was a lot of um discussion about certain things um there's a helmet change that's in the works like is there anything specifically that you would like to see done that you've thought about that you think would be good for the game going forward yeah um i saw some of the kind of the ideas that that they were talking about um and and a lot of it was kind of smaller stuff. I think the, uh, the, the whole helmets, um, like, you know, uh, making, uh, helmets in one less mandatory is probably a smart idea just because, you know, well, you know, one of these days somebody's going to slip or, you know, there's going to be an incident. Somebody's going to get hit in the face badly or something. I think it's kind of leaning towards that, that eventually something's going to happen. So I think that's kind of a smart idea. Um, I think I heard something um, that was interesting. I think it was, I don't know if it was from Chris, I think it was Chris Johnson. He was saying that, that they might, something they were talking about was just getting rid of the shootout. Like maybe like not now, but maybe in the, you know, the next couple of years that the shootout might be gone, um, which I, I'd be, I don't know. I'd, I kind of before that, I think, you know, the shootout when a game is so intense in overtime and, and, with a lackluster shootout, it just kind of ruins the mood some of the time. I would take it out in playoff hockey. Like, there's something about, um, I, I just, the shootout stuff is weird because, like, it should never be in any kind of playoffs. It's part of, like, across all sports where you should never win a Super Bowl from, like, in with some dumb overtime rules. Like, it's just, like, overtime should be just, like, you do this until the first team, the next team scores. Like it's extra time. Like don't overthink overtime. Like soccer does this. It should just be the golden goal situation where it's just like you play until the next team scores, no matter how yeah. long that takes, just do that. The shootout. Yeah. That's what and makes penalty the kicks. so great. Like triple Yeah. Overtime. Cause you don't have it. Yeah. yeah Can you so. imagine how much it would suck to lose on uh, like just on the, on a shootout, like in the playoffs, like in like just no, it's dumb. Yeah. It's not a real way to lose. I don't lose. think they're ever going to, I mean, they better not implement a shootout in the playoffs. That would just be awful. But It's great um, the Mighty Ducks, but it's only for the movies. It's not for not for real. Yeah. Life. So, yeah, one other thing I saw was it's a small thing. Teams going on the power play can possibly, like, this obviously isn't done yet, but teams going on the power play might be able to choose what side they want to face off to be on, like the first face off coming out of a power play. Mm. So it's already implemented in the AHL. Um, 
so yeah, it, it, it creates an advantage because some teams, at least on their points, you know, they've got certain right-handed guys or left-handed guys, so they could pick um, the face-off that would, what side. It would be a really nice advantage for, for that power play team. So yeah, I think just a few minor things coming out of the meetings this year. Okay. Anything else that stands out to you right now? Um, I mean, I'm just fascinated by the by the race uh, in in the East in particular. I I mean that we kind of that we kind of touched on, um, but also the West, like a team like Arizona, if they somehow get in, I think that's that's nuts. They're they're on a heck of a run right now, um, and. And in the East, you know, the, I'd love to see the Jackets get in. I want to see Torts in there. I want to see the, uh, the, you know, a team that went all in getting rewarded. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the things that are kind of on my mind right now is just the races and, and seeing how those play out. Okay. Well, last thing, and then we'll go. Uh, you're very mm-hmm. familiar being in the Vancouver area. I have a couple questions. One, um, Psych is one of my favorite shows of all time. I still love that show. It's filmed in Vancouver for all the psychos out there. Um, and <laughs> there's something about it that I've always wanted to go. I've never been. Um, what is it about Vancouver that always looks so peaceful and incredible and just like the perfect place to live? Um, I'm pretty sure nothing bad's ever happened there. Like I haven't seen the stats, but I think it's actually a perfect place. And uh, the follow-up question: What is uh, what's going on in Canucks land? Is are things things seem like they're looking up? A lot of good young prospects. Um, the Twins are no longer uh, roaming the ice, but um, but what what is exciting about the the Canucks? So it's a two-parter there. Yeah, two-parter. Okay. Yeah. Um, for Vancouver uh, as a city. Yeah, I love it because it's got it's such a great setting. It's got, you know, so many cool, like, you know, it's got the mountains, it's got, you know, the, you know, the wildlife and, and stuff like that. It's just really nice, nice to look at. And I think that's um, what kind of makes it, makes it great is, you know, no matter where you are, whether, you know, you're on the downtown, you're on the waterfront, um, it's just, it's, it's accessible as well. Um, you know, it's got a lot of, you know, you've got bicycle paths, you got transit, you got all this stuff, and there's no pollution yeah, either, right? Like, there's actually never been any form of trash being thrown on the ground. Like, there actually isn't trash in Vancouver. Last time I checked. Yeah, yeah, it's no yeah, waste. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's known for that. Um, it's yeah, it's it's known as just being peaceful. Right? You don't hear about about much about much. So it matches crime. up to its building. Like, there, it's a peaceful place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It lives up. It lives up to, to the uh, to the spilling. I've, I've, you know, I know some people who kind of, who who visit who say like, oh, you know, it's good, but it, it's overrated. Is what they say. And I was like, well, I mean, if that if that's your opinion, and that's your opinion, but I think you know, it's it's what you see in the in the photos. It's what it's what you hear about. It it's got you know, especially in the summer, it's got great weather. It's got you know, nice yeah, the nature and just kind of just the geography and everything about it um, just makes it a very nice place to live in. So, you know, it's good to hear that you're a, you're a fan of it. Okay. And then the second yeah, part, the don't part, forget. The other part, the Canucks, the team that's in the The team city. that you uh, are familiar with, yes. I need mm-hmm. to do a game. So if you want to facilitate um, Yeah, tickets, I'll see what I can do. Day. I do do stuff for, uh, 
Snuff so I'll, I'll let you know if I ever uh, if you're ever in the area and you want to go. Okay. Oh, uh, I'm all about it. All right. So, okay. So yeah. Uh, yes. The Canucks as a team. Um, it's it's interesting now because they uh, they're kind of slipping out of the playoff picture, but they were in the playoff picture for a bit, and that kind of uh, drove drove some hype. Like you know, like oh wow, they they kind of got a shot here. And realistically, I don't think anybody expected the Canucks to make the playoffs this season. Um, so I think you're you know I'm chalking the season up as a success just because of the developments of the young guys. Um, Elias Pettersson uh, and Brock Besser and Bo Horvat, the big three, have been huge this season. They've taken on big roles and and, just, and they've stepped up and taken uh, major steps forward in the development. I think that's only going to be, you know, good for the Canucks moving forward to see them progress and see them see where they're at. Um, you know, you've got the product, you know, you've got the prospects coming up from, from junior and, and, and Utica and, and Quinn Hughes and Oliu Levy. I can't wait till Hughes gets here. I think he's going to come over from Michigan for a few games this season. I can't wait to see what he does. Um, you got excitement on the goaltending. You've got Thatcher Demko, and then you've got the uh, the younger guy, uh, Mikey DiPietro, who got lit up in his one game. But you know, nobody's going to put that on DiPietro. He's put in a tough situation. We've all seen what he's done at Junior and at the World Juniors. I can't wait to see him. Um, you know, at the NHL stage. And I think, you know, give the Canucks a few years and they're going to be, you know, one of the better teams in the West. Um, you know, it's just another year of, you know, not, not making the playoffs, but taking steps forward to get there. And yeah, I'm just in awe of Pedersen. That's kind of been the big story this year. And yeah, what a treat it was to watch him. All right. Well, I'm excited. Um, they should be fun. Um, going forward. Uh, so you, is there anything you want to plug before you get out of here at the nation network? Um, writer, you're a writer at Canucks. You, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my work at the nations, they have a bunch of different sites, so it's kind of, uh, all over the place, but I am working also a bit on a side project. I'm going to have a little bit of maybe my own site eventually in the next, okay. maybe hopefully before the playoffs. So I'll just say, I'll just plug my Twitter, as you already mentioned. I think uh, at Brady Chet, that's kind of where you can stay up to date with what I'm doing. And just see what's going on in NHL because you yeah. are you are on top of it. How long does it take yeah, for you to pull a gift from something? Are you pretty fast? Like it's pretty seamless for you? Yeah, it's, it, it goes it goes fast. Like I've got a couple of screens up with like updates and writers and a couple of screens with games. And as soon as something goes down, I'm, I'm all over it. So it's kind of what I like to do and I like to – put out the highlights and especially during the playoffs, that's when you get all the, the bandwagoner fans and everybody's watching. So it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah, I would agree. And as we know, if you uh, follow Brady, then that also means you should follow me because we're on the same mm-hmm, page with all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brady, right. I appreciate you taking the time, man. This has been great. Uh, have yeah, a no fun worries. rest of the season and uh, let's talk again soon. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate you having me on and, yeah, enjoy the uh, the stretch run and uh, excited for the next time we get to chat. Sounds great, man. All right. Okay, we are good. Are we good? And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, 
Google Play or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.